Down Poinsettia, Chapter 6, The Naked Bride. I was chilling in my hollowed out Don Dominguez apartment by myself early one morning, and uh, yeah, the phone rang on the kitchen counter. Hey, that was nice. A little loud, you know. Banana shaped wall mount that Mark had left for me on the kitchen counter is three times as loud with, you know, all of Mark's furniture gone. I jumped up from the old sofa that had been there when we moved in and ran across the room to answer. Hey, it was my new agent, Michelle. She worked with Central Casting and looked after all my shitty extra movie role needs, including my paychecks, which were equally as shitty. (laughs) Hey, Britt, it's Michelle. She greeted me enthusiastically when I answered. You want some work? Hi, Michelle. I answered back somewhat excited. I had filled out all the necessary paperwork I had to fill out on the set of Masquerade Death, and I met my agent, Michelle, but I really hadn't expected to call that fucking fast. I'd love to work, absolutely. Good, Michelle replied. They said you did real good on that last movie. We got no complaints. (sighs) That was a relief, I thought. I was worried the Converse shoes I'd worn in the 15th century ballroom shot might have come back to haunt me. (laughs) I mean, it had hardly been my fucking fault, but I did screw up a shot in Mask of the Red Death starring me and Patrick McNee. Anyway, I fumbled about in the kitchen counter for the notebook and pen I had set near the phone. Ah, I was stepping into a brand new world, but, you know, I'd run out of time. You know, because of everything they'd gone down over the months prior. As a matter of fact, eight months had passed since I drove in from Oklahoma. And in that short amount of time, I'd managed to get a job, a roommate, a girlfriend, an addiction, a beating from the Los Angeles Police Department, and then lose it all. Oh, yeah, but I managed to turn 19, too. I was 19 now. That's it. (laughs) Hard to believe I was still optimistic, but hey, as long as that fucking phone was ringing with job offers, I was still relevant, so I was going to gut it out. Once I got the pen and the notebook ready, I asked Michelle where I had to go. The movie was called Zapped Again. It was the sequel to the old Scott Bayo blockbuster, Zapped. <laughs> Filming was taking place in an old elementary school in Pico Rivera. Be sure... To dress up like a high school kid, Michelle instructed me before ending the call. Okay, I smirked. How about a high school dropout kid? I could hear her voice bounce off the walls of her office as she laughed on the other end of the line. Sure, Britt, that's fine. I'm sure. That's fine. motorcycle to Pico Rivera the next morning. I showed up dressed up as close to looking like a high school student as I could. I was in a jean jacket, t-shirt, jeans, sneakers. Yeah, 
pull up to the front of the school on my motorcycle. Like a fool, I just sat there. I don't know if I was just waiting for Michelle to come out or somebody. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> oh, after half a minute or so, a, uh, a member of the film crew poked his head around. Hey, man, motion him with his finger. Park over in the gated part, over on the side of the school. Fine hearing that, I popped the bike back into gear, finished the Half Moon Circle Drive, went back out to the service road, over to the uh, parking lot, which was in a chain-linked area. Nice. Didn't have to worry about locking everything up. I walked out towards the playground area. I wasn't sure if the school was open or closed. It was definitely absent of kids. <laughs> you could tell the production company is apt again, had done what they could with the butts they had to make little Miller Elementary School look as young and hip and cool as they possibly could. A hip-looking high school that, you know, had the same temperamental climate of a horny, drunken college frat. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, who the fuck am I to judge, okay? I was so fucking happy to be on the set of another movie. My second movie. Hell yes, I was working. And I still had a home to go to. It was empty, but the electricity was on and the fucking phone still worked. Yeah. There's a lot of action in the playground on the side of the school when I walked back there. They had it all set up like a big Revenge of the Nerds style Olympics field. It was pretty cool. I mean, I was I was just glad to be there working, making money. Any money. Making friends, too. As I strolled out towards the back, I could... See other extras from other agencies all standing around waiting for direction. I thought I recognized a couple of them from Mask of the Red Death. By the time I spotted Barrick, he had already spotted me. He had his leather biker jacket thrown over his Hawaiian shirt decorated shoulder. <laughs> his spectacled sunglasses hung down the front of the bridge of his nose. His blonde hair swayed about behind his head. He was smiling ear to ear, as was I. My new friend Barrick and I had been cast once again on the same picture. How in the hell are you, Kimasabi? He laughed as we approached one another. I was so happy to see him. I threw my arms around him once he was within grass. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here, man. Are you a sensual man? Barrick asked. Yeah, yeah, I was looking for Michelle, actually. I don't think she's here yet, man, Barrick said, pushing the sunglasses back up his nose. Hey, man, I got some badass ganja red. You want to go out of the van and get stoned real quick? <laughs> yeah, it was only like 7.45 in the fucking morning. Sure, why not? Went out to Barrick's cargo van, hopped in the back. I was going to have a hard time following direction. That was the strongest fucking weed I've ever had, and I made the mistake of taking two hits. Big hits. Baptism by fire in the back of Barrick's van. You sit in the back of that van, you're smoking weed, okay? <laughs> I cannot count the times between takes. Barrick and I ran back out to that fucking van to blow bowls of weed over and over again. Yeah. That was all part of working on that shitty movie. Yeah, several weeks we worked on that movie. And it really solidified our friendship. People on the set noticed. Oh, yeah. I mean, we really must have made the impression on the set of Red Death because it carried right over to Zapped again. Kind of got the bad boy reputation right out the gate. Yeah.
But we weren't bad boys. We were just fucking stoned and almost homeless. After the quick binges, we'd stumble back out onto the set and just try to function normal. Yeah. We didn't always function accordingly, but could definitely be counted on to stand there with slack-jawed, glazed looks on our faces. <laughs> and if you ever get that piece of shit movie, if you can find it, you can see us both fleetingly throughout the class sign-up segment of the movie in the arena race. Second week of filming, we inadvertently got one of the uh, film crew, I guess, sent home or something. I don't know. We definitely got him fucked up, you know. Well, I didn't get him fucked up. He got him fucked up, but we were just there. His name was Andy. He appeared to be a 30-something-year-old, dark-haired fella. Always wore gym shorts, T-shirt. I say appeared to be. I, I questioned some of the things I saw when I was on the set of that movie. He approached me and Barrick in between shots, whispering, Hey, you guys got some smoke? <laughs> I looked at Barrick, and Barrick looked down with a giggle. Any smoke, man? Yeah, some smoke. Do you have any? Oh, jeez. Calling that weed that Barrick had smoke was a fucking understatement. He had recently acquired some, like, really badass shit called Ganja Red. They must have grown it out of Bob Marley's grave. That shit was strong. I don't even know what ganja red meant. I know it had red hairs all over it and shit. Could have been strands of hair off the devil's ass for all I knew. I'm not kidding. Andy, the assistant, whatever, was obviously anxious for a hit. After this next take, you mind if I come out with you guys and grab a hit or two? He said real quick, glancing back at the set. Right on, Barrick said, patting him on the shoulder. What way right here, man? And he smiled with, yeah. Two of us laughed. <laughs> we weren't around when the director called cut. We were already heading out of the parking lot. Andy caught up with us. Three of us reached the van. Barrick unlocked, pulled the sliding door open, and the three of us jumped in the back. The big white cargo van Barrick drove was not a comfortable place. But he had certainly made some moderate attempts to make it comfortable. There were patio chairs bungee-corded to the walls of the interior. An old hand-woven rug and some blankets had been used to line the floor, the bumpy, rigid-ass floor. He used stage lighting gels to cover the dome lights and set any given mood at his disposal. He had like 40 fucking different theater gels. (laughs) The van was a beast. Yeah, And I'm guessing you could probably get stoned just by licking the collection of pot film that layered the goddamn walls. After Barrett pulled the door closed, three of us sat on our knees facing one another like tribesmen in a medicine lodge. We were still pretty fucked up from hours ago. So we didn't smoke. But we gleefully watched as Andy showed off by sucking down one. Two, three, oh, fuck it. Do a fourth. (laughs) That's right. Andy and his spirit weed, he sucked that shit down with great haste. He ranted, constantly ranting between takes about all the good weed he had had in the past and how he had needed a hit all morning. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) Hey, for the record, Andy was a nice guy. It was a real shame to watch him destroy himself like that without warning him. I guess we could argue that he didn't give us time to warn him, and had we warned him, he probably wouldn't have listened anyway. 
See, I'm trying to attach guilt or shame to the story, and you just can't. I smoked two bowls and ran my face into a brick wall out there on the goddamn playground. So I didn't smoke that much anymore. Andy smoked four fucking bowls. God. <laughs> After the discreet session in the van, Andy, you know, he had to hurry his ass back out to the school grounds where the set was. Yeah. During our walk back, I looked over at Barrick. Ah, it's going to be fucking fun watching him play director, I grunted. Barrick's left hand clutched my right shoulder as we walked. He might fall apart, dude. In conclusion, let me say, that poor guy never had a fucking chance. When that weed kicked in just a few minutes later, ten minutes later, I don't even think it took that long. Andy quickly became disassociated, it seemed, with everything that was going on around him. (laughs) I mean, in a matter of 15 minutes or less, he appeared to be really confused, even frightened at times. Yeah, frightened, sure, paranoid. I mean, during the course of this special Hollywood moment, my second, all Barrick and I could do was sit back, attempt to subdue our laughter, and look innocent. I don't know that the director sent him home, but we didn't see him again that day. And then when we did see him, he wouldn't talk to either one of us. Hey, just get it on the record. I had myself a little brush with fame while working on the set of Zapped Again. I grew up watching NFL legend Lyle Alzado. I finally got to meet him, have an actual short conversation with the man. Wasn't a conversation. It was just really an exchange, but it was nice to talk to him. One night after shooting, I'd been one of the last ones to leave the set. Mr. Alzado was pulling up the parking lot gate and asked me if, I'd hold it open for him while he pulled his car out. I held it open for him, and he drove his Mercedes on through. Mercedes, or it's a high-dollar car. It's black. To my surprise, he got out, walked over, and shook my hand. Thank you, sir, he smiled. You're welcome, sir, I replied, kind of glancing around, making sure he was really talking to me. I've seen you, he smiled while shaking my hand. You're working on the movie, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. What's your name? I'm Lyle. I'm Stan. Oh, I'll shake your hand again. He shook it again, and thanks for holding the gate open for me. Nice guy. Well, before the end of the shoot, I learned a little bit more about Barrick. I found out he had a brand-new girlfriend he had met in acting class who lived in Hollywood, and he was going to be working on Ghoulies Go to College, a movie coming up real soon. He asked me if I was involved in, well, Quite frankly, I didn't know if I was or not because I hadn't seen Michelle yet. Regardless of I had been cast, we were friends. We exchanged phone numbers. Eh, I told him mine probably wouldn't be worth a shit much longer, but he gave me his, and he says, Hey, here it is, man. Just call if you need me. Fucking I. I wasn't going to call, but it was nice of him to offer. My time had pretty much run its course over there at um, Don Dominguez Apartments. Anya was uh, saying that she's going to change locks in the doors, and I had just one more day to get the fuck out. So I did the only thing I knew to do, and I picked up my phone, and, well, I called my old friend Shane back in Long Beach. Yeah, Shane, guy I'd grown up with, he was still living there. Matter of fact, another old friend of mine, Chris, had moved out from the hometown as well and was living with Shane, and 
they hold up in a little two-bedroom condo there in Long Beach. Shane and Susie had split up, and uh, um, they let me sleep on the couch. Yeah, they let me sleep on the couch for like two and a half months. Some crackhead stole my damn Axl Rose Triumph shit. Yeah, my motorcycle got stolen in Long Beach. Shane, Chris, and I, we went to Mexico. We had a lot of fun hanging out like old kids who had grown up together back in Oklahoma. But I didn't have a job. I didn't have an income at that point. What the fuck was I going to do? I still had my four Granada. That was cool. I had the four Granada. Absolutely. The piece of shit I'd originally rolled out to California with, I still had it. I'd imposed on my childhood friends long enough. It was time to impose on a new friend. I didn't make them tell me to get the fuck out, but I knew they wanted me to get the fuck out, so I got the fuck out. So I went out to the old Granada and checked the battery, drove down, put some gas in it, checked the tire pressure, went back to Shane and Chris's apartment in Long Beach, and once again, loaded everything I owned up into it, and I called my old friend Barrick up in Hacienda Heights, California. Right over the phone. Barrick invited me to drag my ass up and stay right there at his folks' house. Apparently, they were away on some big, long European vacation, and hell, they had a spare bedroom anyway. He said, fuck yeah, why not? Get up here, man. Regardless, hadn't it been for my old friends, Shane and Chris, story wouldn't have gone this way. I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying... If it hadn't been for the time I'd stayed with them, the story wouldn't have gone this way. (laughs) Everything's a fucking factor. A Thomas got Hacienda Heights, jumped in the car, and away I went. The home that belonged to Barracks folks sat atop the hills of a neighborhood far from the alluring Carson or even Long Beach. Yeah, streets up there were freshly paved. The lawns were all well manicured, looked cleaner, smelled cleaner. The sun was cleaner. Yeah. I parked my shitty Granada next to the curve of the address Barrick had given me. I was looking at nothing but wall, you know, wooden wall, but it was wall just the same. I couldn't see through it or anything. I was only hoping it was the right place. Front of the home was surrounded by that fence. Two large wooden doors opened up to a courtyard, and well, they were unlocked, so I walked in. Literally dozens of baskets and potted plants and ivy-covered lattice. Just shit everywhere, growing all over this beautiful entrance. It was beautiful me a second or two just to stop looking at the fountain. Walked across my old red duffel bag slung over my shoulder. Still not convinced I was in the right fucking place until Barrick opened the front door. Hey, Kimasabi! He yelled. <laughs> hey, Bear! I laughed, shaking my head. We stood in the front doorstep for well, about 10-15 seconds before he invited me in for a quick drink at the mini bar. Scotch! Huh. That was the first time I ever had scotch. It tasted like boiled, shitty beer to me. <laughs> I just didn't like it at first. 
Still drink it. I just didn't like it. Hey, the home was beautiful, though. Home was gorgeous. Carpet in the living room was plush. Kitchen wall was accented with a mural of an Italian countryside, along with pots and pans, which hung from the racks on the large archway. Cold black Steinway piano, set alone on a marble floor in the sunroom. The walls throughout the home were decorated with oil paintings, pictures of the family. My most favorite part of the home, though, was the backyard. Wow. I mean, it, too, was covered by the large wall, but, you know, it dropped to no more than just a couple of feet high towards the, you know, back of the yard, revealing the immense valley below. Wow. There's nothing but homes and streets and mountains and shit as far as the eye could see. There was a pool in the center of the yard, plus a wide variety of potted plants and trees. I looked at Bear after stepping out on the patio. You got to mow this fucker? Nah, man, he smiled. We have landscapers that do that. I watched as he swilled his glass of scotch for drinking what was left. I have to water all the fucking plants, though, he grimaced after taking the drink. Every goddamn morning. After the tour of Barrick's house, went to the kitchen for a small lunch can herring on crackers. He shot the shit about the upcoming movie we were both going to be working on, Ghoulies Go to College. Yeah, Barrick and I had developed quite a reputation for being reliable, stoned but reliable, and believe you me, work was starting to come in without us having to even ask anymore. It was great. It's only my third fucking picture. During the course of lunch, he also told me about that new girl he had met in his acting class in Hollywood. According to Barrick, they'd been romantically involved for a few weeks. She is so damn beautiful, he made perfectly clear. She looks like that Brigitte Nielsen from Rocky. <laughs> really? I asked, somewhat intrigued. Yeah, man, I'm not kidding. She is fucking beautiful. Upon saying that, he shoveled another scoop of herring with a cracker into his mouth. I want you to meet her, man. Sure, I agreed. I can't wait. Barrick flung his hand to throw off some of the Tabasco sauce from which it spilled over his fingers. All right, let's go now. Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> we hopped into his great big white cargo van, and we were on our way. Yeah. Went over to the Pomona Freeway, then head straight for Hollywood, California. On the way, Barrett told me the uh, the beautiful 23-year-old Danish woman he had been dating was named Beatrice. Uh, she was looking to gain dual citizenship in America, but meanwhile, she's taking acting class, and according to him, she'd only been in the States for about a year, and now she lived in West Hollywood, and she's beautiful, and we were going to see her. Uh, I didn't give two shits. It was, it was just another girlfriend, as far as I was concerned. He was just a horn dog wanting to see his lady, and hey, I was just happy to be hanging out with my friend Bear. We exited Highland Avenue, then head west on Sunset. Wow. You know, I'd been to Hollywood before, but never during the day. It was a shithole. Yeah. 1989, Hollywood. It's the nappy-haired anus of L.A. Metro. Fighting to blood, the streets come alive. That big city monster just opened his eyes. The hustle, the muscle, 
homeless people were everywhere. Garbage littered the streets and parking lots. The sky was a brown haze. Unkempt horn dog sexual deviants on every fucking street corner around the strip clubs and shit. Oh, yeah. Completely focused on one thing. Throwing imaginary dicks and anuses at passing cars. You know, all the sexual gestures they could to invite you to come over and pick them up for a ride. That's right. Quick, rapid, hand fire, screw my butthole gestures, that kind of thing. Yeah, thank God we didn't have fucking camera phones back then because there would have been a tremendous amount of accidents. One guy in particular caught my attention. I'm guessing he was in his late 20s. His straight black hair lay flat against his head. I mean, it looked like it hadn't been washed in weeks. He was wearing a short sleeve, horizontally striped T-shirt and a pair of old jeans that were equally dirty and baggy and shit. Only God and that man knew what the stains on the pants were, but as Barrick and I drove by, he looked directly at us. Eh. He smiled when he saw that he had our attention. <laughs> I wanted to look away, but couldn't. Just like the hundreds of cars for Barrick and I showed up in that cargo van, he immediately grabbed between his legs, and in an instant, his tongue flickered like a small flag in the wind. <laughs> and he slung his hand at the van as he had just thrown his penis at us. Barrick looked at me. You gonna throw it back? Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> he laughed, almost running off the road. Barrick hit the turn signal, slowed to a stop. They're everywhere, he responded in an almost dismissive fashion. After a little bit, there's a break in the traffic, and Barrick was finally able to make a left on the Alta Vista Boulevard. Alta Vista was a clean street. I mean, it appeared clean, anyway. Palm trees lined both sides of the small boulevard. I remember the street, it didn't run straight. I mean, you could see Fountain Avenue down there, but there was like a bend in the street. What the fuck was that all about? Bear equipped in the first parking space he came to. Then we slid down out of the van. It was really a decent neighborhood. Beatrice's building was... Right across the street. It was a new building. We climbed the steps of the Alta Vista apartments, the intercom entrance box on the wall just right at the door. After running his fingers down the column of numbered buttons, he paged his girlfriend's apartment. Hello. An accent female voice blurted from the speaker. Hey, darling, it's me, Barrick responded. Oh, hi, baby. Come inside. She replied before the front door buzzed, allowing us entrance. This was another apartment building that made the Don Dominguez apartments pale in comparison. I mean, I I didn't think it was that bad. No, I'd been living in a shithole. Alta Vista Apartments building was new. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Anyway, it was called Alta Vista Apartments, I think. After stepping past the apartment office, the main entrance, the vestibule opened up to a courtyard with a clean swimming pool, hot tub, a little gazebo. Yeah. Pools in the center of the courtyard, flanked by walkways on both sides and first-floor apartment patios. That's her apartment up there, Barrick motioned with a quick nod of his head. I glanced up at the third-floor balcony that overlooked the pool. Then we finally stepped into the first-floor hallway leading to the elevator. We stepped off the elevator on the top floor, 
hooked a right, and approached the first apartment door we came to. I was in for a shocker. Beric's girlfriend wasn't just a hot Danish girl. <laughs> I was mentally prepared for a hot Danish girl. What I wasn't prepared for was the beauty of her caliber. <laughs> Furthermore, she'd be naked. After knocking, Beatrice opened up her front door completely nude. That's right, folks. First time I met that beautiful young woman, she forgot to have clothes on. Well, in her defense, it was only her house yeah, and her boyfriend. She just wasn't expecting me. Beatrice was a tall, beautiful woman, short blonde hair and naked. Top it off, she was... The classic blonde-haired, blue-eyed dream girl you'd expect to find in a Hawaiian Tropic suntan lotion poster. Stunningly attractive. Did I mention she didn't have any clothes on when Barrick knocked and she opened up? Well, after seeing me, she quickly ducked back behind the large wooden door. Oh, I sorry, baby. I not know you have friend, baby. Barrick looked back. I c- complied with a nod. Hey, man, I'll wait out here. For a few seconds, he stepped in, round the door, and I could hear him kiss. Before, she relinquished. No, baby, she said, reaching around and grabbing my jacket. You come in. (laughs) Well, with that, she pulled me inside and shut the door. Huh. That was a nice gas fireplace. I'm sure it was a gas fireplace, the one over by the balcony door. I admired the cheap wicker glass dining room table to my right, too. Yeah. I looked out the window by the dining room table towards apartments on the other side of the courtyard. I did every fucking thing I could to avoid eye contact with Beatrice. (laughs) You see, if I made eye contact... The eye contact wouldn't be eye contact for very long. My eyes were going to fucking wander. Yeah. I might get caught looking at a tit. Or an ass or something. and I might piss Barrack off. I don't know. <laughs> Best policy for me to do is to, you know, I don't know, judge the layout of the apartment complex. I knew she was naked. I'd already seen everything. I I just didn't think she would want me to see again. And I could handle that, I guess, kind of. I wasn't sure I was trying to look, give her a way out, you know? <laughs> I mean, even if it had been somebody I was sleeping with, an Oklahoma kid, I'd never experienced anything as liberal as a woman opening up a front door naked before. That wasn't going to be the only experience I got that day. Yeah, my my horizons were about to be broadened. I was the only one that was really uncomfortable that day because without warning, Beatrice stepped in front of me, threw her arms over my shoulders, and, Hi, baby, she said before kissing me. Hi, I stumbled, a little overwhelmed. I glanced at Barrick, who by now had already found a beer in the fridge. The kiss threw me off balance a little bit. I was unsure what to do. I mean, it was just a pet kiss, but, oh, shit. My hands were on her bare hips. I didn't even realize that my fucking hands were on her bare hips. Shit. I, I didn't even know this woman. My hands are already on her naked. I I let them, you know, kind of slide off real quick, you know? It was a trip. 
They felt good. Okay. Uh, I don't remember much of the conversation or anything after that. I, I mean, I stood in complete awe watching Beatrice as she turned and trotted down the hall. Yeah, she walked right past the kitchen bar. Eric was standing in the kitchen area. She was trotting down the hall. I just stood there with Simmy. Simmy Divis Jr. <laughs> Her body was probably just about as flawless as anyone would expect a 23-year-old. I, my eyes stayed locked on her as she made her way down to the bedroom. Yeah. All the way at the end and she closed the door. What? That was strange. I looked at Barrick. He was leaning on the kitchen counter, cradling a beer, smiling at me ear to ear. <laughs> Look at shock on my face caused him to quietly break into laughter. You like that fireplace? <laughs> I smiled and gestured down the hall. What's she closed the fucking door for, man? With that, he thumped the kitchen bar at his fist, laughing harder. I fucking told you, dude. <laughs> yeah. I cracked under my breath. Give me a goddamn beer. You fucking told me. Well, Beatrice didn't have any more beer, but we did stay long enough to have a couple bottles of wine. Yay! B, as she went, was an amazingly friendly person, full of life. She laughed at my dumbass jokes. She appeared to be sincere when drawn in my story, and was really sweet. I mean, it sounds complimentary on a half shell, but the fucking fact is, B was strikingly attractive. She was charismatic, real approachable, and, oh, for the love of God, her looks, and she was outstandingly good-looking. I was just never attracted to her. I can't explain why. I got a semi when I first met her, naturally. B was so damn good-looking, normal guys would be all over the fucking place to get her attention. That's why I felt so fucking abnormal. <laughs> After the visit, Barrick and I drove back to Hacienda Heights, stopping by a liquor store along the way. It's a different world back then. Like I say, if you look like you had hair in your nuts, eh, go into any liquor store and, yeah, buy booze. We both had movie money. So, in we went. Without doubt, we were both shitty wine connoisseurs who usually bought the wine based on price and shape of the neat bottle. That's right. <laughs> hey, this label's cool. We didn't throw empty bottles away either. Shit, no. You gotta hang on to that intrinsic-valued shit. That's right. Some do beer cans. We did cheap wine bottles. Lots of them everywhere. It was the Hacienda Heights cheap wine hoedown with the Oklahoma boy and the guy from Alaska or wherever the hell Barrick said he was from. We got back to the house and cabaret until we fucking passed out on sofas. I can't even tell you when it began or end. Like I say, Ghoulies Gone to College hadn't started yet, so we were between movies. And since we didn't have anything to do, well, we had lots of time on our hands. When you have too much time on your hands, you bet, you tend to fill that slot in with lots of dumbass shit. And our ever-willing desire to be part of the human collective led us out onto that hill. 
the home, Barracks Folks House. Like I say, set atop a moderately large hill with a pretty steep incline. One of the spare bedrooms in the home, the one I was sleeping in, played storage for an old wheelchair his mom and dad had used after one of her surgeries. So, Barrick pulled that fucker out in one of our stupors. Yeah. Away we went. Throwing caution to the wind, we took the wheelchair out front and positioned it in the middle of the street. Barrick was in charge of braking, so he took his place in the seat of the wheelchair. I was in charge of propulsion. (laughs) Not that we needed much. The chair was already on an incline. My position on the chair, of course, was on the rear tipping sleeves. That was going to require some careful bounceling, but it could be done. No one was in charge of steering. Let's get that right. Nobody was in charge of steering. I wouldn't put my fucking hand down there in them wheels trying to control which way we went. I guess that's why steering the wheelchair never even crossed our minds. Why would it? We just bought six gallons of wine for ten bucks. We had the chair out anyway. It's a beautiful, bright, sunny day. We committed ourselves. Ah, fuck the busy intersection at the bottom of the hill. It was on, man. Barrick stretched his arms up, flexed, and then took a seat in the chair, fastening both hands around the rubbered grips of the brakes. It was then I gave us a healthy running start, and away we went. It was pretty impressive that though we didn't have a steering wheel, the chair pretty much stayed true to the center of the road. Yeah. For the first 20 yards, hey, It was kind of fun. I think we even laughed and encouraged one another, you know? Everything was going to plan. We didn't have an end game. But I guess after about 30 yards, we realized, well, momentum was a factor. We weren't slowing down. We were speeding up. I might not have noticed it at all, hadn't it been for the mailboxes and driveways and neighboring homes which suddenly began to pass by faster and fucking faster. Yeah, intersection where cars are crisscrossing, suddenly we're getting bigger and bigger and closer and closer. You better start slowing down, man, I hollered. I am, Barrick shouted at the top of his lungs. I looked down. He was pulling back on the brakes with both hands, but to no avail. We weren't slowing down, and if he pulled too hard one way, he could jerk and flip us. We got a ditch, man, Barrick exclaimed. Jump! I challenged. Yeah! He yelled back. Ready? No! At that point, what the fuck? We didn't have any time for debate, discussion, or self-reflection. It seemed like I do remember Barrick giving the count. One, two, three! It's hard to believe I can still remember the violent tumble to this very day. All I remember seeing during the roll was wheelchair, barrack, my feet, wheelchair, barrack, my feet. There's also some trash cans and parked cars and shit in there, too. I just couldn't tell you exactly how it fit in. I'm not sure how many times we flipped and rolled, but we finally come to a rest against the curb, partially up on the sidewalk. Wheelchair rolled off further down into somebody's fucking front yard. 
Yeah, pain's pain's a real good description. That's what I felt. Tons of it. I'd skin one of my ears. How you skin your fucking ear? Both my elbows had road rash. Bear was equally damaged. Carefully, we both rose to our feet. I think Bear walked down, grabbed the chair, and I was picking up trash cans and shit. We'd gone through and... we. We we made the long, arduous journey back up that fucking hill. And we spent the next hour standing in front of his folks' medicine cabinet in their bathroom, using up all their fucking alcohol swabs and shit. I should say, that hill on Hacienda Heights, you know, as you know, former President Richard Nixon, he's drive a tractor over that hill. Oh, you bet your sweet ass. Yeah, Billy Laughlin used to deliver papers up there. So before those title holders fade away in the stains of time, you should know. We went down it in a fucking wheelchair. Hello, 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 hello. It's going to do it for this week's Bombing Down Poinsettia here on the Stand the Joke Man Show. Be sure to join me next week, 8 p.m., Bombing Down Poinsettia, Chapter 7, A Touch of Class. Stand the Joke Man Show returns on Friday, high noon. Until then, bye, Kadios. We'll be